Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Throughout Scripture, when God asks a human being a question, It could never, ever be because God doesn't know the answer. He's certainly not seeking knowledge or wisdom or explanation from a human being. When God asks a question, it's because he wants that person to sort through, to struggle through, to find the answer. In answering the question, that person comes to some revelation. Hello, this is Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I've been doing a whole series on... Uh, questions that God asks in the Bible. I wanted to design this series to be different from other episodes of the Leader's Notebook. Sometimes the Leader's Notebook have been interviews. Sometimes they've been uh, teachings. But I wanted this series to be different. I wanted it to be short, hard-hitting, quick, in and out, to make you think. And so I asked the series of questions questions that God asks in the Bible. Where art thou? He asks Adam. What hast thou done? He also asks Adam. What is that in your hand? He asks Moses. What are you doing here? He asks the prophet Elijah. Can these bones live? He asks the prophet Ezekiel. Where were you when I made the world? That's a question God asks in the book of Job. Whom shall I send? And it's a rejoinder. Who will go for us? That he asks the prophet Isaiah in his sixth chapter. Doest thou well to be angry? God demands that of the prophet Jonah. And then last week and this week, questions that Jesus himself asks. Last week, Jesus asked one of the rulers, comes to him, good master, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus, instead of answering the question immediately, he answers his question with a question, why call ye me good? No one is good but God. Now this week, we're going to be dealing with one from Matthew chapter 16. And that is an exchange between Jesus and Simon Peter. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. And Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Pause just a moment. That is way in the north by Banias, way in the north of Israel. And he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? There's the question, the first question, first part of the question. Whom do men say that I am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then, listen to this, then he pins them to the wall. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, that's a bold answer. That answer is one of those answers on a test. You can't make a C on that answer. That's either A, you're right, and it's the most phenomenal, incredible revelation ever given to a human being at that point, or F, (laughs) we need to stone you to death right here in this cave. How does Jesus answer? Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, 
for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So first of all, Jesus wants to ask them if they are aware of the nationwide debate over who Jesus is. As Jesus travels and preaches and teaches and works these incredible miracles, people begin to debate, who is he? Who is this guy? Is he a prophet raised from the dead? Is he, is he John the Baptist raised from the dead? Maybe he's Messiah. Who, who is this Jesus of Nazareth? And so they just sort of begin, they answer Jesus' first question, whom do men say that I am? They answer that with kind of reportage. But then Jesus moves in close. He says, forget what everybody else is saying. Whom say ye that I am? Everybody looks at their sandal straps until good old Simon Peter. He was the bold one, always. Sometimes wrong bold and sometimes right bold, but always bold. It's Simon Peter that stepped out of the boat when everybody else huddled down in the bottom. It's Simon Peter stands up and he says, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow. All the oxygen must have gone out of the cave. At that moment, the other disciples must have frozen in place. Would Jesus lean across the campfire and slap him in the mouth, the ancient Jewish symbol for blasphemy, as later, by the way, Jesus himself was slapped for blasphemy, and Paul the apostle was slapped? Would Jesus slap Simon Peter? Instead, he affirms the answer as being a revelation from God Almighty. He says, you could not have figured this out with human reasoning. This had to be revealed to you by my Father, which is in heaven. It couldn't be clearer that he says, you are right. When you answer the Christ, the Son of the living God, you have answered with the benefit of divine revelation. Now, here's the question for us as we close this series on the Leader's Notebook. We can discuss and debate and report and read about what everybody else is saying about who Jesus is. Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus is a myth. Jesus didn't exist. Jesus was a miracle worker. Whatever, whatever they want to come up with, we can talk about all that. But if we talked about it for hours and hours and years and years, it doesn't change anything in our own lives. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, whom do you say Jesus is? Now, our personal answer either reveals our faith unto salvation or our confusion unto condemnation. So I ask you, are you clear on who Jesus is? Whom do you say Jesus is? C.S. Lewis is helpful to us at this point. Because Jesus obviously claims to be the Son of God, the Son of God cannot be other than God. God can't have a child. This is not Greek mythology. He can't have a child who is part human and part divine. That's a demigod. That's, that's Greek mythology. The Word of God, through an immaculate conception— born of a virgin, no human DNA involved in this. He must have been the Son of God. Therefore, he's the Word of God, John says, that became flesh and dwelt among us. Therefore, if he is the Word of God, who was God and is God and became flesh, he is God. And Peter recognizes that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He nails it. 
So all the debates about who God is are resolved in the ultimate reality that he is the Word of God, the Son of God, and the second person of the Trinity, God himself. Therefore, if that is right, C.S. Lewis says, if you deny that and come up with some other answer, you're out to sea. If you say, well, he's a, he was a good guy, he was a good teacher, he was a miracle worker, but he wasn't God, then you deny the scripture. Once you accept the scripture that he claims to be God, then you're faced with a terrible dilemma. If he claimed to be the Messiah, the word of God, the son of God, and God, the word of God, if he claimed to be the son of God and he wasn't, what are the options? One option is that he was, C.S. Lewis says, a madman in the level of a person who thinks he's a poached egg. If you think you are the progeny of God and you're not, you may be completely insane. Or he says, he might be a charlatan. Maybe he affirmed Peter's answer in order to go forward with the charade that he was who he wasn't. Or he is who he said he was, and he is who Simon Peter affirmed him to be. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I want to ask you as we close this whole series, whom do you say Jesus is? Do you say that Jesus is some kind of great teacher? Do you claim that he was just a miracle worker, an itinerant Jewish evangelist who was martyred in some kind of a lost cause? Or do you affirm right now by faith in your heart, Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the Word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us, that died for our sins, rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, where he sits at his right hand as the preexistent, co-eternal second person of the Trinity, the Word, and that he is what he's always been, God Almighty, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is not up for grabs. It's not a debatable doctrine. It is fundamental Christian theology, and it's essential for our salvation. How could a human being die for human beings? But that God would die for us is the secret of the redemption, of our salvation. That God became flesh, and that flesh died for us, and then rose from the dead and went back into heaven from whence he had come. That's the essence of Christian theology. Somebody said to me recently, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word Trinity is simply a means to describe a reality that is clear in the Bible, that there are these three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are three in personality and character, but they are one in that they are divine as one God. One God manifesting himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When you affirm that and then accept the fact by faith that Jesus Christ in the flesh died for your sins, rose from the dead, and ascended back to God the Father Almighty from whence he had come. When you affirm that and claim that as the means and the total solution for your sin, and you're trusting fully and totally in that, salvation is yours. If you've never done that, I urge you to do that right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe my faith rests that you came from heaven into human form, 
died for my sins after having lived a sinless and perfect life, raised from the dead, and have ascended back into heaven, and that you are what you always were, the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God. And I affirm what Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I believe that your death and resurrection saved me from sin and death. And I receive that and accept that and put my whole faith in that reality right now. So if God should appear to you in your room, Jesus should walk in and say to you, whom do you say that I am? You could say with Simon Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and you are my savior and the Lord of my life. I'm so glad that you've joined me for this series on the questions of God. Next week, I'm going to begin a two-part series that you're going to find very engaging, an interview with some guys from Africa that are going to bless you, and I hope you'll be here. Until we meet again, I'm Mark Rutland, and this has been The Leader's Notebook. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.